I was in Montana, and uh, one day when I was praying, the Lord, uh, he would been giving me different things to minister on, more for a Sunday morning, I think, in going forward, these different messages. And I said, Lord, what about Wednesday night? Because we're finished our series, and I'm ready to start something new, and I have some ideas if you'd like to hear them. And, uh, and he didn't answer. So I told him all my ideas, and uh, he still didn't answer. So he didn't like my ideas. And I said, what do you want? You see, you got to ask what he wants. And he said, you're not finished talking about the leading of the Spirit. And I said, but Lord, we've already done 12 Wednesday nights on that. 12 is the number of the apostles. 12 is the number of government. It's perfect. He said, you're not finished talking about the leading of the Spirit because your people are still not getting it. So until you get it. <laughs> and you know, I'm getting it too. I learn as I, I'm learning along with you. Uh, and, and, and listen, I know that you say, but how would we ever all get it? Because it's, it's impossible. I mean, everybody's at different levels. You get new people coming. You know what I'm saying? There's no way for everybody to get it from that perspective. And you would be right. But the Holy Ghost is the one that knows when that subject has been saturated enough and, and enough has been granted or given for you to get it, whether you get it or not. Are you listening to me? Pay attention because he's trying to put an emphasis on his leading. Evidently, we, all of us, have more to grow and to learn about this because he doesn't want us to make mistakes. He doesn't want us to make mistakes. Um, I, I, there was a couple, um, I won't obviously say who, but they, uh, they, they contacted me and they, they were... Uh, Sunday night, they were here. I'm just saying because it just came to my mind. It's on in my notes, but it's a good example. And, and they, they were on their way home. We had a good Holy Ghost service. The anointing came. We prayed about some certain political things and, and different stuff. We don't live stream when we do that. But there was a strong anointing, uh, at, at, at least at one point in the evening. And I know that evil spirits get... They, they don't like that, you know, but that's okay. We have dominion over them. But anyway, they, they, this precious couple got up on the highway and uh, this crazy person was on the side of the road and started trying to attack their vehicle and throw rocks at them and broke something on their car. And of course, that can be at night, especially with children in the car, that can be scary. And so they took off, called the police. I don't exactly know what happened, but uh, the, the, the brother said to me, he said, Pastor, uh, wh why do you think, I mean, I know things got stirred up, but why do you think kind of that happened? Yes, now, I don't, know, I don't know unless the Lord speaks to me. Yeah. And let me tell you something. He usually doesn't speak to me. Why? Because it's your job to find out. It doesn't matter. So you're welcome to ask. But don't be disappointed if you don't get an answer. Why? Because every time I give an answer and you don't have to get the answer, it's yet another opportunity that you've missed to hear from God yourself. So normally I don't even even ask God because I just automatically default to, you're not going to talk to me. They got to figure it out. Yeah. But in this case, I said, Lord, is there anything that you want to say about that? And I heard him real still on the inside say, I tried to guide them away from that thing. Yeah. Now he didn't have to say that. And most times he doesn't. So I said to that individual, I said, you know, I didn't say the Lord said to me. I just said, it just seems to me that it could be one of the possibilities is there might've been a little small Look back, think back. Was there a little small thought? Something about taking a different route? Possibly. And they got back and they said, now that I think about it, there was something seemed to kind of just a little bit, it was so slight. And, and they said, this is, a very, this is a good learning example for all of us. They said, I thought it was my mind. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the big enemy is we think it's our mind. So I ignored it because we don't want to be in our soul. But it just a little thought came, take this route. But that, that, that can't be God, right? Why would God do that? Why, why would God care about where I'm driving? Well, evidently he does. Because he knows the crazy psycho is on the highway. Got a rock in his hand. So he's trying. But you see, it's so easy to dismiss those things. I say that because I appreciate people being humble enough like that couple to, to communicate and to not blame Notice their hearts wasn't to blame. Yeah. Well, this church, you teach all this stuff, it doesn't even work. Yeah. That's the wrong attitude. That's right. that the, it's not a blame attitude. It's a, could Lord help us understand so we can be more skillful? Yeah. Just the problem is God usually won't show it to me because he wants to show it to you. 
unless it's something really major in your life, then he'll show it to me because he doesn't want you to get off track. But on little things, he's going to mostly show it to you. But in that case, even though it was a small thing, that just come, came up in my spirit. I tried to guide them. I tried. He said, I tried to guide them. So then they said, well, there was a little thought, almost like my own thought. But it wasn't my own thought, but I thought it was my own thought. That was the Holy Spirit trying. Remember, if your brain can't figure it out, you can't be led by the Spirit. So it has to operate through your senses, through your brain, but it doesn't originate through your brain. So you can't look to your brain because that's, that's, that's the final destination, but it starts down in your spirit man and it communicates up to your brain. Your job is to become sensitive, and this takes trial and error, is to be sensitive to that thing, is that coming up out of my spirit? Or is that just being generated in my mind? Because if it's been generated in your mind, it's not the leading of the spirit, but it could just be good old wholesome common sense. And you are to also have common sense. So in other words, some things the Holy Spirit doesn't need to lead you on because it's common sense. Do you wear a motorcycle helmet while you're driving? You don't need the leading. That is common sense. Do you understand? There are certain things in life that you don't need as leading on, but some super spiritual people are trying to get a leading on everything, including what to wear. You're just weird. You're not weird. The behavior is weird. Don't do that. Are you listening to me? Don't do that because you cheapen the leading of the spirit. Then you start looking for where he's not. He doesn't care unless there's some supernatural thing going on where he's shown somebody that they're supposed to give a million dollars to somebody with a red bow tie. And now he wants you to wear the red bow tie. Well, in those very rare occasions, he might tell you what to wear. But in 99.9% of the time, he doesn't care what you wear. Do you understand? So you can't be weird on this. Now, listen to me. If you try to listen, I'm trying to, I'm giving you lots of nuggets because he said, you're not done talking about this. If you try to ask for leadings about things that are common sense, you'll open the door to demons. Are you listening? Don't ask for leadings about things that are common sense. You don't do that. You look, you, the leadings will come up, pay attention to them. When you don't know what to do and it's not common sense. Do you understand? Yeah. Common sense means it's common knowledge. Yeah. You don't need special instruction. It's common knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. Why am I tired? Well, it might be because you're not eating breakfast. There is certain common things that we don't need the leading of the spirit on because he expects us to use our brain. I mean, this is where people can get off, where everything is now the leading of the spirit. And that's not life. Dad Hagen, none of the people we respect operated like that. But where there is not common sense, common knowledge, obvious answers, and you're facing decisions, you do need the leading of the spirit. Now your job is to try to figure out what is coming out of your spirit originating with your spirit and what is originating with your mind if it originates with your mind it's not the leading of the spirit it's you you are then acting in that regard you're not a sinner but you're acting like a sinner a sinner doesn't have the leading of their spirit a sinner only has their thoughts they're rolling the dice they're playing russian roulette let's hope it works if you if you get committed to this you're just basically acting like them and it might work for you and it might not work for you And that really, when we're dealing with relationships, that can really devastate you. Because sinners just do things about what they feel and what they see and what they think and their soul realm. But the Spirit of God has some other criteria in your spirit. So in every area of life, but but certain areas can mess you up more than others. Uh, Therefore, certain are more critical than others. You've got to learn what's in here. Listen, my brother and sister, that does not come overnight. That does not come in a week. That does not come in a month. That does not come in a year. It can start, but it it is a lifelong journey. So do not ever think there is a finish line called, I now know everything about being led by the Spirit. There is no finish line. Dad Hagen said when he was 86 years old, about to turn 87 and about to die, he said, and all these years, I can still miss it. I'm still developing my sensitivity and skillfulness in being led by the Spirit. Did he miss it? Very rarely. But could he? Yes, because we're not in glory yet. And only when you're in glory are you going to never miss it. 
So this is not something that you're trying to, you, I'm trying to get you to see this right. This subject is not something where it's like, well, you know, just teach us. We're going to finally figure it out. And then just, we can just put that aside and move on with other doctrines because now we've got it. This is one of those, not every doctrine is like this. On the salvation doctrine, you can just get to the point where you got it. You know what I mean? On the righteousness doctrine, you can get to the point where you got it. But when it comes to the life of the spirit, the whole New Testament is about life in the spirit, which includes being led by the spirit. That, that, that is not a subject where you're ever going to end it. So therefore, because it, it's not possible, it doesn't have an end. It's too limitless. It goes into eternity, at least past this realm, into that realm. Uh, there's always going and should be an emphasis in your life, whether I'm preaching about it or not. There should always be an emphasis in your life on this subject, always. Every single day that you breathe. Are you listening to me? There's very few subjects that every single day that you get up that you need to have it on the forefront of your mind. There are hundreds of categories in the Bible. You can't have all of them on the forefront of your mind because it's not possible. But there are certain things about the blood that need to be there every day. There are certain things about being led by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit that you need to know, that you need to be thinking about and meditating on and focused on and searching after every single day you wake up. This is not a subject that ever ends. It does not have an expiry date. Therefore, it is something that will always over time as the Spirit draws emphasis, because I had something else to be, to start a new series that I thought would be a blessing and it probably would be a blessing to you. But he said, you're not finished. In other words, you think you are, but you're not. But see, I'm even being led by the spirit and knowing that. So this is not this is something that will over at different times as he draws emphasis, be taught from the pulpit. But let me tell you something and this, you need to listen, whether I teach it or not, whether he draws emphasis to it from the pulpit or not, it better be drawing emphasis in your own heart every single day. Every single day I wake up and say, Holy Ghost, I need you today. I need your leading today. I need your strength today. I need, to, I need you to help me walk in the spirit today and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Because today is going to be a day where I don't sin. Today will be a day where I don't repent for anything. Do you, do, you, do you even care about that? Do you even think about that? Does it even cross your mind that tomorrow morning, tomorrow, Tuesday, the 21st of September will be a day you don't sin once? Some of you, I can tell you don't think that way. You should. You cuss in here, your dirty thoughts there, your abusive attitude there, you're stealing the paper clips at work there, you're getting in anger here and unforgiveness. I mean, listen, we are supposed to be walking in the spirit every day. That means that you don't sin. That's why Dan Hagen said, I've gone years without sinning. Why? Because he walked in the spirit every day, which means every day he woke up conscious of his spirit life and conscious that his flesh was dying. That's why he didn't sin. That's why he didn't make mistakes. That's why he didn't enter into bad business deals. That's why he didn't hurt his wife. That's why he didn't get sick and die. Every day he woke up conscious of the spirit life. Not on what he felt. I don't feel good. That doesn't matter. You got to learn how to focus on the spirit life and not focus. I'm not denying the feelings are there, but you've got to get past the feelings and you've got to get into that spirit flow. How do you do that? Start to worship him. Read his word. That will bring faith. That will wash your mind. But also pray in the Holy Ghost because it's the door of entrance into that realm. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost while you're driving. You don't know what to do at work? If you can, don't be weird. But if you can, without people noticing, just say, Holy Ghost, I'm looking to you for your help. I'm in a situation here. I don't know how to handle this. My job demands something that my skill level is, is unsure of, but you are the genius that lives in here. And sometimes he'll show you right away, and other times you may have to go home and pray about that a little bit. Pastor Debbie Simon tells her her husband worked at that. He was the foreman at that shop and they could not figure out something to do with the machinery. And they tried and tried. And he said he was not very old in the Lord. 
You don't have to be, you don't have to be a veteran for this, but he just had teaching that, that the Holy Ghost knows how to fix anything. So he said, he went home and said, Holy Spirit, I'm going to start praying in tongues about how to fix this machine or how to, because they don't understand. I don't understand, but I could be a real hero to them. God wants you to be. <laughs> the sinners don't have that unless they go to a witch doctor or a, or a, or a soothsayer or whatever you call them, a medium. But we've got the Holy Ghost. So we just started praying in the Holy Ghost. I think it took him a few weeks. It didn't happen overnight. But all of a sudden he was standing and a thought came to him. You got to learn what those thoughts are. A thought came to him, switch this, turn that around and reverse that. So we did it and the machine worked. And the boss said, how did you figure that out? And he didn't take credit. He said, I'm a born again believer and God showed me how to fix that machine. And he got a promotion. He got a pay raise. Because the boss realized God's on the floor where that man is. Because nobody could figure that out. Not even the professionals who made the machine could figure that out. But this man has tapped into something that I don't know what that is. That's called the spirit life. But you, you know, you can't access that if you're in a bad mood all the time. Because you don't feel good. Most mornings I don't feel good. I wake up and the dog is there and my face is wet. I, that doesn't feel good. I love that dog, but you know what I'm saying. There are children, there are problems, there, are, there is traffic, there is weather, there are weeds, there are demons. I'm wondering when Jesus is returning. I mean, there's a lot going on up here all the time. Pastor Nancy looked at me in her kitchen last week and she said, does your mind ever stop? Remember she said that? I said, I'm trying to slow it down, but it doesn't usually stop. It's always zzzz, and that's, why, that's dangerous because that robs you of your spirit life. So me, more than anybody else, maybe you're like me, you have to learn to quieten that down, slow that down, and just, that's why praying in the spirit and worship is so critically important. It will help you access that spirit life more. And it will get you out of the mood that you're in. Try this. When you're in a bad mood, try just saying, Holy Ghost, it's the last thing I feel like doing right now, but I'm going to pray in tongues. And just pray for five minutes and see what happens. The problem is when you're in a bad mood, that's the last thing you feel like doing. But when you're in a bad mood, that's the most important thing to do because you need to get out of this thing and you need to get into this thing. Are you, are you listening? I don't know why, because I got a lot of other stuff that I can share with you, but he said, I heard him clearly, and then I acted like I didn't hear him. And I started making other notes. And then I went back to him today, and I said, Lord, uh, um, I would just like to present my case to you, because I think there's other very important things we need to share. And he said, you're not finished talking about this subject. Your people don't think right about it. Your people don't think right about it. Now, some of you do, but some of you got a long way to go. So uh, I guess 12 Wednesdays is not enough. So let's try to do another 30. Maybe we'll do 100. Maybe we'll do 1,000 every Wednesday until the rapture. At least you'll be, you know, we're not doing that. Sweet Jesus, no. I'll have to take a sabbatical. No, I won't. But anyway, uh, no, this is such an important thing. And I think why God is emphasizing it is because it's not a subject that you ever take your hand off of. It's, it's something that every day should be in front of you. Holy Spirit, I need your guidance today. Thank God, Willie, we live in Canada. But David Hogan, this is more than an option for him. This is a requirement. Because when you live in Mexico and the drug cartels are all around you, and they murder people and ask questions later. And they hate Christians. When you pick the wrong road, they phys you physically die. He is under such threat all the time from the drug cartels and from the paramilitary forces. He said to me, Craig, he said, Le learning to be led by the Spirit is a, is a luxury for you. He said, it is a necessity of life for me. Because if I don't, I die. Are you listening out? Some people, like, just don't take for granted the fact that we're in this wonderful country. Because you could live in a place where if you didn't know this, you'd be dead. We're grateful for our wonderful, safe country. But hey, even though it's a safe country from one perspective, uh, you're not led. There's still accidents. 
There's still psychos. There's still rapists. There's still murderers. I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you. What I'm trying to say is if you learn to be led, he'll lead you by, he'll bypass all of those things. He'll bypass. There's still plane crashes, but he can bypass that for you. Do you understand? He didn't want that precious couple to have that experience, to have their children afraid and to have to fix their front of their car. That was not his perfect will. So he is going to reveal but the problem is most of us, including me, sometimes do not know how to distinguish between if that thought is God or not. Let me tell you, one of the ways that you do it is when the thought comes, assuming that you're living clean, I have to put that as a default, assuming that you've got a prayer life and assuming that you're walking in love. I've got to put those as defaults. But, but if, you're, if you're normal and you're living for God in a normal way, you're not a super Christian, but you're a good Christian. And you're living for God in a normal way. And that thought comes. That's what I, I'm telling you how I do it. You can do it however you want, but that's how I do it. When that thought comes and I'm not sure, is that my mind or my soul? I ask myself, does this thought violate the word? If it doesn't violate the word, it still may not be the Holy Ghost. It just could be my renewed mind. But it may be the Holy Ghost. Then I, I, I compare the thought with common sense. Does this make sense? And if it doesn't violate common sense and it doesn't violate the word and it seems good to me, what I do is I follow that thought. Now I watch the outcome of what happens when I follow the thought. And what I find some of the times is the outcome, I couldn't really tell that anything really good or... <laughs> now I could have avoided something bad, but I don't know. So some outcomes you actually can't tell. You may have avoided something that you don't even know you've avoided because you just, you, you weren't there. So you avoided it. But other times you can tell the outcome of that action if it was an aid or if it wasn't. And so you can't tell every time. But what I do is I start to do process of elimination, trial and error. And I'll, and I'll watch the outcome. And then I'll say, oh, if I can tell the outcome and I can tell, oh, Lord, that must have been. Jenny, you've heard me say that a hundred times. I, I, that must have been God. Because now look at what happened. Look at the fruit. Look at the result of following that thought. I know that's God, but I didn't know it at the time. Now I start to pay attention. What did that thought sound like? What did that thought feel like? What were there any indicators of that thought compared to other thoughts? Are you listening to me? I know this sounds like we're part of like a, like, like, like we're a detective, solving a case. But to be honest with you, the things of the spirit are very hard to explain in the natural. And you kind of are in some ways solving a case because it's not always that obvious. Even the great apostle Paul said, I see in a glass dimly. I look through a glass dimly. I see in part. I know in part. Even the great apostle Paul didn't know everything. Nobody knows everything. You've got part. You've got to make decisions on that inward witness and on knowing part. But you can get skillful with that if you do this every single day, whether Pastor Craig is preaching about it or not. Amen. And I think that's probably what he means is you talk, teach it, son, and they're paying attention. When you stop teaching about it, they let it go. You're not to let it go because I stopped preaching about it. This is a daily, 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 every day, every morning you think about it. You start praying about it. Holy Ghost, I want to be led today by you. I'm not going to sin today. I'm going to not fulfill the lust of the flesh because I'm going to walk in the spirit and you're going to help me. And when I feel that rage or I feel that anger or I feel that temptation or whatever, because I'm walking in the spirit and I'm not in my soul as much, I'm going to have strength to say no to that thing. And when a thought comes to me, you're going to help me figure this out. Is it you or is it me? Because I confess I am a man that is led by the Holy Ghost. Do you ever say that over yourself? Say that over yourself. I say over myself, Craig, I look in the mirror. Craig, you're a spiritual man. Now, when your hair is like this, you don't feel like you're a spiritual man. You're a spiritual man and you will be led by the Holy Ghost today. Don't, don't judge your outside. Your spirit don't look like your outside. Your spirit does not look like your outside. Your spirit's perfect. Your spirit knows things that your brain doesn't yet know because it's in touch with the Holy Ghost all the time. Hallelujah. 
We got to learn to be led by the spirit. I'm telling you, it's a daily, it's a daily thing. And whether I'm preaching about it or not, if you're spiritual, you're going to hold this in your, when you open your eyes. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I love you. You shouldn't have to be the first thing that says, I repent for what I did last night. Oh Lord, I beat that child. Oh Lord, I watched that perversion. Oh Lord, I... First of all, if you did that stupid nonsense, you should repent before you go to sleep. Listen to me, because if you don't, you're open to demons while you sleep. If you've sinned and violated the things of God and you go to sleep, you're, because you're, you're now, you're born again, you're still going to heaven. If you died, you still go to heaven. What I'm saying is that, that protective quality, you by your flesh have stepped out of that. And you are more, I'm not trying to scare you, I'm just saying you're more accessible. Things can access you differently and more greatly because you're not sealed the same way. Sometimes people say, well, I have nightmares. Do you go to bed and sin? That's a big indicator. Uh, have you got unforgiveness? That's another big indicator. I'm, not, I'm just saying if you've done something wrong, that's why the Bible says don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. That's not just husbands and wives. Everybody says that's husbands and wives. You could have wrath about anything. You could have sin about anything. Don't go to sleep in that state. Get cleansed, get clean, but better yet, don't get into that state. So when you wake up, you shouldn't be repenting because if you did screw up, you should have done that the night before. And then people quote me, oh, pastor, but the Bible says... His mercies are fresh every morning. So I wake up in sin and I look for his mercy. No, you're stupid is what you are. No, you're, don't misquote the scriptures. His mercy are fresh every morning. But that don't justify you to sin and not repent when you go to bed so that you can lean on his mercy the next morning. You see, people can manipulate it so easily. If you've messed up, you know you've messed up. Your heart has condemned you. Deal with it before you put your head on the pillow. If you've hurt somebody, repent to them. Ask them for their forgiveness. Make it right. Then go to sleep. Then when you wake up, no need to repent. You look at them and you say, good morning, Holy Ghost. The past is the past. And I thank you for your mercy this morning. I'm going to have a great day today. There is no such thing as blue Mondays. Every day is yellow Monday, yellow Tuesday, yellow Wednesday, or whatever your favorite color is. It's a sunshiny day. Today is the day the Lord has made and I will, I will, but my choice, my decision, my will, I will rejoice. I'm going to be in joy today. I'm going to walk in the spirit today. Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me how to walk in the spirit because all the sermons are great and I'm learning, but Holy Spirit, there's no teacher like you. So teach me, teach me. He might bring some things back that you've heard from the pulpit. He also show you directly. Teach me today how to be led by you. Teach me today how to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I have no intention of sitting, not one time today. I am an intention to walk in the spirit and to be a man or a woman of God and to bring light and blessing to all around me and that people will notice there's something different about me. Amen. That's how, before you even get out of bed, that's what you should be saying. Not, oh my God, oh, I'd rather be dead today, honey, as you stumble into the bathroom. I repent, Jesus, I'm sorry. But that's what some of them are doing, Lord. You know that's what some of them are doing. Oh, help us. So he's, he's emphasizing this again because some of you are taking it as a sermon instead of a lifestyle. And until you take it as a lifestyle, he's not going to let me quit. So the faster you want to move on, just start to take it as a lifestyle. And then the Holy Ghost will say, okay, enough. They, they're getting it, son. Amen. I praise God. I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm here to teach you so that you have success in your life. And, and I think that the couple's uh, very, very accurate description of, I couldn't tell if it was my thought or God's thought. And that's all of our issue. Mine too. So we're learning to be skillful. And the more you can start to test that, uh, you'll start to say, oh, now what I've done is as I do that, I start to notice that those thoughts that are from God rarely feel like they come into me. Very rarely. I'm not saying they can't, but very rarely. Those thoughts feel like they come up within me. And you say, but how can I tell the difference? A thought is a thought. Just pray in the Holy Ghost more and ask him. He'll show you how to be sensitive to that. But sometimes you still can't tell because sometimes the thought's just there and you didn't, you didn't watch its, its trajectory. 
It's there. Would it have come up or did it come in? You can't tell. Check your inward witness. Do I have a, do I have a piece about that? Does it violate the word? Does it make, is it common sense? Because some things are not common sense and that's not the Holy Ghost. And then try it and watch the outcome and test it. And then you'll start to develop over hundreds of examples, not 10. You'll start to get a sense and a feel for, ah, okay, I think that's the Holy Ghost. Do you understand? Praise God. You with me still? If you ask a religious person, does God want to heal you? They may or may not say yes. If you ask a religious person from another denomination, from most denominations, do you, want, do you think God wants to prosper you, make you rich? 98% the answer is going to be no. Because God likes poverty and we're righteous and pure and holy when we're broke. It's a bunch of nonsense, but that's what most denominations today believe. That's why they hate Kenneth Copeland so much. I'm not saying that he does everything right, but I'm just saying that's why. Because he's, he's, he's tapped into graces for finances and most religious devils can't handle it. I'm talking about Christians, human spirits with religious devils on them. So most people will acknowledge maybe God wants to if he's in the mood, but at least they're open to it. They may not understand that it's outright, but they're open to it. Most will not have anything to do with prosperity. But if you say to somebody, do you think God has a plan for your life? 100% of the time you'll get an affirmative answer. I've asked Lutherans that aren't even born again. Do you think God has a plan for them? Oh, yes. Of course he does. Of course, they have no idea what it is, and they're not doing it. But, but they believe that he has a plan for their life. The next question that you, I follow up with is, do you think he wants you to fulfill that? Oh, yes, 100%. Yeah. You never get, well, I'm not sure if it's his will. You get, I'm not sure if it's his will on things that benefit you. Money, finances, all that stuff. But, uh, hey, healing. But when it comes to you doing something for God, 100% of the time they'll say, yes, God has a plan. And yes, God wants me to do that plan. So everybody agrees on that. Are you listening? If they're Protestant, which is the major umbrella term for anybody, Protestant means you're not Catholic or Orthodox. So if you hear somebody say, we just read online yesterday, a Protestant church in Georgia, wherever it is, had a, had a ceremony last Sunday morning. They didn't say what the Protestant church's denomination was because we're Protestant too. But there are dozens of denominations within Protestantism. Protestantism means you're not Catholic and you're not Orthodox, which is like Catholic, but technically different, but similar. And if you go into an Orthodox church, it looks like and feels like a Catholic church. Okay. But everything other than that including Anglican, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Baptist, Pentecostal, Word of Faith, everything else is Protestant. Okay? But on Sunday, this, they didn't want to say the name, but the Protestant church uh, had a, a, a thing on Sunday morning where they all swore allegiance as a congregation to transvestites, homosexuals, lesbianism, and to invite all of this stuff on their platform as part of their worship. And they all did it as a congregation to tell God that they are 100% for his people. Now they say that's deception. That's, that's deception that people don't know anything about the Bible and they continue like that, they'll go to hell because you can't be even born again for, to be able to do that. And many Protestants are not even born again. Do you understand? In fact, there's a subcategory under the Protestant umbrella. There's another umbrella called evangelical. Evangelicals are Protestants, but evangelicals believe in being born again. Baptists don't believe in praying in tongues, but they're evangelical because they believe in being born again. But Anglican are Protestant, but they're not evangelical. They don't believe in being born again. So Anglicans are going to go to hell unless they repent. Pastor Craig, why are you being so mean? I'm just telling you the truth about it. Unless you're born again, you don't go to heaven. It doesn't matter what you like or don't like. It doesn't matter what politics you believe in. It doesn't matter what, well, I like this personality in the church or that. I like the way that they worship. I like this thing. God don't care about any of that. If you're not born again, you don't go. What I'm saying is that they're, 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 we live in a world where it's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. And so it's very important that not only do Christians know how to be led, but preachers know how to be led. <laughs> because without it, you're going to find yourself in, in a pit. Everybody will agree that God wants to, has a plan, 
that God wants you to know that plan. And if you say, do you think God wants, okay, do you think God has a plan? Yes. Do you think God wants you to fulfill that plan? Yes. Do you think God wants you to know that plan? Of course. How? Everybody would agree, but when you ask them how, 100% of the time, unless you're in churches like ours, they say, I have no idea. Isn't that sad? We all agree, but nobody knows how. You just go ask your heathen friends. When I say heathen, I mean people that are somewhat religious. Once a year Catholics, go ask them. Does God have a plan for you? Absolutely. Do you think God wants you to fulfill that? Absolutely. Do you think he wants to show you that plan? Well, yeah, otherwise how can I do it? Well, how is he going to do that? I have no idea. Now, this is basic. Because if you can't understand how to fulfill the plan of God, which requires being led by the Spirit, you can't do anything in life. You can't even make him happy. You can't fulfill the purpose that he has on your life. So what I'm trying, I'm saying this for a point. Being led by the Spirit is the most basic. Other than being born again, it is the most basic doctrine in the Bible because it is the most important doctrine in the Bible other than salvation. Everybody agrees with that there's a plan and we should know it, but nobody seems to understand how. Yet they should because it's the most basic, fundamental doctrine in the Bible other than born again. Are you with me? Don't look at me like I've got six heads. I'm preaching the truth to you. Every person that gets born again, you, you don't get nothing until you're born again. Born again gets you in the door. But as soon as you're in the foyer, you know what I'm saying? Of, of the kingdom of God, the very first thing that God wants you to do is understand how to be led by the Spirit. So that you can start making traction in His plan for your future. So you don't marry the wrong person. So you don't attend the wrong church. So you don't go to the wrong university and get the wrong kind of job. But it pays a lot of money. That doesn't mean it's right. So that you know where to go and drive. Even on tiny things like that, it can make the difference between life and death. And sometimes, most times, it just makes a difference between inconvenience and convenience. I'm never against people having, I'm not judging people that have problems. I'm not judging people that have accidents. I have compassion. We have problems. We once in a while slip and make mistakes. I'm not attacking anybody or making you feel like you're a failure. All I'm simply saying is the standard is up here. And I'm trying to, in my own life, live there. And even I miss it sometimes. But you should be aiming for up there, not being comfortable with down here. And the standard is you should never have an accident. You should never have a break-in. You should never be sick. But I have had an accident. Don't be condemned. So have we. (laughs) I'm not attacking you. I'm just saying the standard's up here with God. If you learn how to be led by the Spirit up here, you'll go your life. You'll never have another accident as long as you live. You'll never be sick again the rest of your life. Because if you're in unforgiveness, he'll lead you to forgive. And if you don't, you'll get sick. But half of that time, it's not just a sickness. It's what opened the door to the sickness. And if you learn to be led by the Spirit, you'll take care of all of that. You, 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 you'll never make big mistakes in relationships. You'll never make big mistakes in investments. You'll, you'll, just, you'll just seem to, people will call you lucky. People would say that to me. You're the luckiest person I've ever met. That's the sinner's way of saying somebody upstairs is looking out for you. That's the sinner's way of saying you seem to be God's favorite. And I would say to them, you can be just as much God's favorite as me. The problem is that you have a daddy that's different to mine. Why don't you change daddies? You see, don't even talk to sinners about being led by the Spirit. It doesn't mean anything. They can't fathom it because they're in the wrong kingdom. You don't talk to them. You can give them testimonies and tell them how wonderful it is and that it's available to them. But what your aim is, is to get them saved. You need to change kingdoms. You need to receive Jesus. That's your origin point. When you start there, now the whole spiritual world opens up to you. And the first thing that you're supposed to learn, which it seems that nobody understands, I'm not talking in this church, I'm talking about in general, is how to be led. 
Because other than born again, it's the most foundational doctrine in the Bible. Are you listening to me? Dad Hagen said it over and over again. The most important thing you can teach a believer. He didn't say faith. He didn't say the love walk. And those are two huge pillars. He said it is being led by the spirit. Why is it the most important thing? Because it's the most foundational. Because it's the most basic. Because it's your right to be led by the spirit. And if you're not, you're not, you're not exercising your divine rights. Jenny, we have an advantage. Jesus said, it is expedient for me to go. If I don't go, I can't send the comforter. Let me go, boys. Because, now, what does the word expedient in the Greek mean? It is advantageous to you. What is he saying, Gloria? Because he went. People say, oh, I wish I could just see Jesus. No. You'll see him forever. Don't worry. I'm glad I don't see him. From the perspective of, I long to see him. But thank God he left. Because he could have stayed here for 2,000 years and we could go to Jerusalem every year and, you know, see him and get up in a long line and talk to him because he may not have left. But then he would still be the only power of God on the earth and everybody would still have to come to him. And the church wouldn't really be in existence because he couldn't birth the church till he left. So thank God he left. I don't want to get into a long line to see him. I'll see him in heaven. Because he left, he sent me the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'll send you the comforter. And he said, it is to your advantage that I leave and he come. What's he saying, Pastor Happy? You, unlike the heathens, have an advantage in life. And it's not the country you're born in. And it's not whether your parents have a certain color of skin or rich or poor or well-educated. The advantage in life is you've got the mighty Holy Spirit of the living God, the genius of heaven, the power of the new age. He lives in your spirit and is available to show you everything. And yet when you're born again and he comes in, most Christians have their whole life and he doesn't show them nothing. But it's their right. It's their basic foundational right. But he will stay there your whole life and not show you nothing if you don't learn how to access him. My job is to give you the tools how to access him. Because it's changed my life. Being led by the Spirit has made my life totally different. Praise God. We were about, I won't say, but we were about to buy something. And my wife said, I said, I I just kind of like this color. And she said, I like that color too. I've always liked that color. I said, well, then we've, we got a consensus. For once, we agree. No, we agree on everything. But I paused and I said, and she looked at me and she said, what are we saying? Something's off. I don't know what it is, but I don't have an ease. There's something's not, I don't know what it is, Jenny. See, sometimes you don't know what it is, but follow that. Because there was no inward witness. Now, God had already told us it was okay to purchase the item. But he was that specific because he knew that different things are going to affect different things. And I can't explain what that is. But he knew that even down to the color would affect certain things. And we both liked in our soul that color. But, but just learn to... You don't... Listen, my brother and sister, you don't have to go, Okay, honey, I don't know. Oh, God. I need to go pray. I need to go pray. What kind of shadow? What am I? I need to fast. <laughs> People take this so weird. You don't have to freak out. You just be aware. I said, sweetie, I don't know what it is, but something's not right. And she goes, I don't have a piece either, but I like that. I said, I like that too. We tried it again. Nope. So I said, well, let's just wait a little bit. Well, I don't have to, what, don't let them pressure you. Tell the salesman to back off. <laughs> let's just wait till we know. Come back a little bit later, I still can't get a piece. Something so silly. What, who cares? God cared. 
He is caring about every tiny thing in your life if you'll learn to listen. And so I said, well, honey, it's not my mental idea, but something feels good about that color. And she said, I got the same thing. I said, but I don't even really like that color. She goes, I don't either. (laughs) But the Holy Ghost wants it. I said, let's do it. And so we bought something. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you have to, he's going to violate what you want all the time. But I'm saying sometimes, and I'll explain this down the road because I can't explain it right now for certain reasons. But, but sometimes he's got things that's connected to other things. And, and it's not that he's trying to violate your will or say, well, Lorraine, you like pink. I don't want her to have pink because she likes it. You're going to get purple. He's not like that. He wants you to want, but when he knows something else is connected to it and you're going you're gonna to wish you had changed your mind, that's where the Holy Ghost is so kind. He'll say, he'll just check you. Now, if you violate that, go ahead. It's not going to be the end of the world, but you'll later find out that, oh, oh, like that, like the electric BMW. So cute. I like it. I like it. It's so cute. So cute. I didn't know everybody, every preacher that ever saw it would make fun of me. Tell me I'm a girl. <laughs> Pastor Craig drives a girly car. Only one that liked it was Randy Greer, and then he got an electric one too. That's why I like him so much. But anyway, uh, but, but Jenny said, I, I, have a, I have a, and I said, I don't care. You like something too much in your soul. Be careful when you like something too much. And your partner who's spiritual says, I don't know. If I had waited and checked, she would have been right. I would have picked it up and I would have said, thank you. Cute, cool, neat, modern, technical, electric. No. The Holy Ghost knew. That car caused me so, many tr- so much trouble. It's a car from hell. It's demon possessed. I can't tell you how much trouble I had with that car. And then I couldn't sell it. And then God did a miracle to sell it. But even then I owed more money on it than it was worth. And then I couldn't get the next car. And that put me behind six years. And all of it was in a showroom because it looks great in the showroom. And those guys are paid to have silver tongues. Oh, this, and I'm just like, because you want it, Pastor Happy, you are, you are really eating it up. And they can tell because they're not stupid. They can tell we got this fish on the hook. Greg, you don't know what that feels like, but we got this fish on the hook. We got this fish on the hook. And they're just, and they just, they just reel you in, brother. <laughs> and they're laughing all the way to the bank. And you're so stupid because you won't look to the inward witness. And then you regret it. Was it the end of the world? No. Was he trying to save me from yes. trouble? Yes. Was it a learning experience? Yes. Will I ever do that again? No. So can I give you some advice? If you really, really want something, take your spouse who doesn't really care about that thing. Or take your friend if you don't have a spouse. Because you are so soulish, it's going to be harder to hear the Holy Ghost. But when they're there, they don't have an investment in it, in their soul. And they can just have more of a clear spirit. I, I, I don't really have a one where they are. Then we're doing it. I have a check. Now I've learned to listen to her. I have a check. But, but when I don't, I'm not that invested soulishly. I don't really need her because I can hear more clearly. But I'm just giving you little nuggets. If you're too soulish, if you're too excited, if you're too, if you're too anticipating something and you really, really want it, you really, really want it. That is a dangerous place because you're probably not going to be led the same way because your soul is just zzz. what it, now, If you don't have anybody to bounce it off, it's back away. And just clean the whiteboard to nothing. Don't make your pros and con list. And just pray in the Holy Ghost until a settling comes. Not a mental, but a spiritual settling. When that peace comes, then you know, okay, yes, my excitement was warranted and we're going ahead. Or I guess I was just excited, but I just, something's not right. But if you try to make that decision when you're in front and making a decision with the salesman, you'll probably miss it. Just giving you a little bits of advice. Don't ever let people pressure you. And if you're really soulishly invested and excited and emotional about something, get somebody who's not because they'll probably hear it better than you. Okay? But it's better that you do it with a spouse. If you do it with a friend and then you don't like what they said, 
They say, you know, that's not the Holy Ghost. You just don't want me to have something. You, you're just jealous. You're just competitive. You just don't want me to have this. And then you have a fight. And then I have to have counseling with you. So take it with a grain of salt. The most important thing is, as we close, it's 854. But the most important thing is that you are learning to be led and that it is a daily thing and that you don't stop thinking about this because I stopped preaching about this. That you constantly are aware every morning, Holy Ghost, I've given you a lot of little nuggets th- today, whether you realize it or not. I hope you're paying attention. And, and if you're not writing notes, which I know most of you are not writing notes, so I would hope and assume that you will listen again and write notes because you need to find, when you write notes on things, it actually helps ingrain it in your memory more. Have you ever noticed that? I don't when Pastor Nancy's preaching because I'm looking for impartation. If you're too mental in a sermon, you'll miss the impartation. But I always go back and I listen again, press pause and write out my notes because by writing them, it helps imprint it on my memory more than if I don't write it. So I'm just giving you little little clues. You want to remember some of these things. And it helps you to get the impartation. You can, doesn't mean that you're wrong to write notes in a sermon. Absolutely, you write as much as you want. Most of the pastors we know write notes furiously. But I'm just saying, sometimes if you're too mental, you'll miss impartation. And to write notes requires mental focus. But but, but also, don't don't just be so nonchalant. Uh, Whatever, I don't really care. Because then you'll get as much out of that sermon as you care about. I don't really care. Well, okay. Why did you even come? Because if you're going to come, you come to learn. Get the impartation, but watch it again. You watch everything else. You've got plenty of time for Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I don't even know what is out there anymore. I don't even care. But I'm just saying, you've got time. Uh, Put the word, get the word listen to it again and write some notes because sometimes the nuggets come out that I'm not planning on saying and they come up by my spirit and they just come out. That's happened about eight or nine times in this sermon alone, something I did not plan on saying. I heard the Holy Ghost, just, it just comes out. That's the Holy Ghost. That's called preaching by the gift of prophecy. That spontaneous utterance as he's guiding me. I've got 17 pages of notes in my phone. I've got plenty to tell you that I can give you line upon line, precept upon precept. But as soon as I opened my mouth, I heard him say, I just want you to speak out of your spirit tonight. So it's not, I'm not unprepared. But you see, I quench that flow if I go to my line upon line. There'll be times to go to the line upon line. But tonight, he just wanted that flow of the spirit, little nuggets, little corrections, little light, little things, maybe nothing so major that you go, oh my God, that was the best I've ever heard. But, but, but if you add them up, it'll, it'll help you. Because being led by the spirit is paramount. Now have a look quickly. It's 8.57, so we don't have time to really look at anything, but I just want you to look at, because I want you to see it now with your own eyes, looking at your own page. Romans chapter 8 is considered the greatest chapter of the New Testament. Did you know that? The book of Romans is considered the greatest book in the New Testament theologically. Romans chapter 8 is the peak of the mountain. Every theologian will tell you the greatest chapter in the Bible is Romans chapter 8 in terms of doctrine. In terms of how much it says is astonishing. But Romans chapter 8 verse 14. And it says, now I know you know this, but just don't, just look at it. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Now what does that say? That almost implies that if you're not led, you're not a son. Now that doesn't mean that you're not born again. Because I know lots of people that are born again but aren't led. But what it's trying to say is this is so close to your salvation that I'm going to actually say, if you're led, you're a son. So you should be asking yourself, if I'm a son, why aren't I being led? Because it's my right to be led. It's the most basic fundamental of my life. Once born again, being led. That's why Dad Hagen said the most important thing you can teach is how to be led. You still with me now? How are you led? It tells you in verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's not the only thing he bears witness. That's the first thing he bears witness. So how are you led as a son? By the bearing of witness. What is the very first thing he's going to do? He's going to let you know you're no longer an orphan. You're no longer a heathen. You've got a father now. You've got an elder brother called Jesus. You're part of a family. You're part of an army. You're not going to hell. I love you. I'm with you. I know you don't know anything, but I'm going to teach you for the rest of your life. And you're going to become a great man or woman of God.
See, that's what he, as soon as you get born again, he's bearing witness with that. Are you listening? Now, uh, when people, I'll play games with you now. You ready? I want to mess with you a bit. When people leave and they tell our altar workers, Sandra, listen, I don't feel like I'm saved. And people do say that. I just don't think I'm saved. They're not. They prayed a prayer. They mentally acknowledged the prayer. But they are not born again, and if they were to die, they'd go to hell. I'm going to preach a sermon coming up. About 50% of quote-unquote Christians are not born again. And it's scriptural. Quote-unquote Protestants. 50%. Half are not saved. Think they are, but they're not. And when the rapture shows up, they're going to be real surprised. If there's not a bearing of witness, if you truly are saved, you know it. Now, Sandra, if they say that, what we need to do is treat them gently and say, honey, hold on. You need to come back in here because you have done a mental prayer. And and that means you're not saved. Now, I'm going to walk you through the scriptures and I'm going to talk to you about this. And when you pray now the next time, you're going to mean this with all of your heart. Forget your mind. You've got to connect with God in your heart. Now, when they pray that way, every single time they will tell you, I don't understand it, but I, I feel different. Something's different. I know I'm a Christian. See, this, the first thing he does is bear witness to you. You are a child of God. If he's not bearing witness to you, it means you're probably not a child of God because you did it in your brain instead of in your heart. We've got to pay attention to this, Sandra, because you're our leader of this, because so many people say a prayer. But do they know I'm saved? If they don't know, there's a problem. And the second thing is, is there an immediate change of lifestyle? If they're not, according to John 3, they're not born again. Jesus said the wind is going in the trees. You can't see the wind, but you can hear the rustling of the leaves. So is it with every man that is born of the Spirit. In other words, you can't see the Holy Ghost come into somebody. It's invisible, but you can see the rustling of the leaves. You can see the movement that resulted from the invisible force. You can see the outward display that resulted from the invisible wind. You can see the person's life begins to change almost immediately. There's a desire to read the Bible. If they don't have a desire, I don't know if they're born again. There's a desire to live better. They might cuss their way through the first week, but something in them will be like, oh, mm, I know I should. Mm. But people that just do it and don't have any, they're not saved. When you're truly born again, you know it. He bears witness instantaneously. And when you're truly born again, there's a change of your outward. You're not going to be perfect. No way. You're still going to mess up. I've got people saved and they're cussing. In the prayer. Because all they know is cussing. And Jesus laughs. He don't care about that. Lord, I'm at a beepity beep center. And I'm just like, oh, God. One person I said, now tell the devil to leave you alone. Because he's, they were pressed. You, you bind him. And they said, you effing devil. And they said it right in front of me. I bleepity bleep bind you out of my bleepity beep life. And I went, oh, my God. But... But, I mean, it's quite humorous when you deal with brand new Christians that all they've ever known is the world. It's quite humorous because you're just so shocked because we're not used to that. But to them, it's just normal. But what I'm simply saying is they may make mistakes because their soul has to get renewed. That takes time. But in their spirit, man, it's changed. And your your mind might not patch up yet. And know how to do everything. But in your spirit, you'll know it's wrong what you're doing. And there'll be a, oh, there'll be something that pulls them back. They may still do it. But something inside will go, I shouldn't watch that. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't smoke that drugs. I I shouldn't beat that mobster. I, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't rob that bank. You know, but, but you're laughing, but I'm just saying, I shouldn't have sex with that woman who's not my. There's something inside of them that goes, mm. why? Because they changed. Inside, they're different. 
Their mind still has to catch up. Their emotions have to catch up. They have to renew their mind and get their flesh under. That takes time. But something inside catches them. That means that they're saved. Because the Holy Spirit's wind has come in and you can start to see. They may not change everything outside, Jenny, but they will acknowledge. I shouldn't do that. See, that's, that acknowledgement shows us they're born again. When people come and they just do this without regard, they're not saved. If they don't know it, they're not saved. I was a little six and a half years old, but I knew I was born again. I knew it. I could feel it. I wasn't a real good sinner at six and a half. I don't know if I sinned at all at six and a half other than, oh, yes, I did. Maybe, maybe mouthing off to my mother. She takes every opportunity she can get. But what I'm saying is I wasn't on drugs and, and, and doing bad behaviors. I mean, how bad can a six and a half year old be? Don't talk to Sue, but, but how bad can a six year old? But what I'm saying is she said to me for six months, you need to, you need to get born again. You, you're old enough now. You need to get born again. And I said, leave me alone. I want to know that I, I want to do this myself. This has to be real to me. And, I, and then remember that mine preached a fiery sermon. I mean, it'll scare the hell out of you. It will. And my mother said to me after it, I, I knew he wasn't going up after that because that thing, sermon was scary. And I went up in little brown shorts, brown sandals, and a brown shirt. And I went up, and the stage was higher than me. The preacher could even see me because I'm just standing there. He can't even see me. And a man named Tony came. And my mother was shocked because she didn't expect it to be that Sunday. And he took me to the back. And he told my mother after it, I've never seen a child more sincere. Like taking this so seriously because I knew this is my day. Jesus comes into my heart and I knew it and whatever little bad behavior I'm sure changed what I'm saying is the older you are and the worse you are the change is more distinct than when you're smaller and more innocent but I knew it and I've never backslided a day in my life I've never turned away from Jesus a day in my life and I never will ever because when I got saved it was for life it wasn't for a convenient display of religiosity. It's, it's I am one with him and he is one with me and I love him with everything I've got and I share my life with him. Amen. And you should know it when you're saved. Amen. And these sinners should know it when they're saved and there should be a change inside and knowing not to do that. Amen. When my mother got saved and, and with Ben, what's his name? Ben Crenshaw, whatever, on 700 Club. I mean, my mother was messed up. She, she, she would drink a little bit here and there. She would smoke a little bit. I have a picture of her. Anyway. She wore shirts, short skirts, and had whiskey in the bottle for me to drink. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't, she didn't do that. No, no, seriously. But she was into yogi, Maharaja. She was far into that. You know where you go and the guy and the mmm and, and they all sit there for hours and you meditate? That's, that's serious stuff. You can go, demons can come to you. She was into looking for life on other planets. and she, No, she was, she was looking for truth. She didn't even come to a church. She turned on her television. Like Debbie Simons. Turned on the radio. The television. Heard Kenneth Copeland's voice. And something in her spirit, even though it wasn't alive unto God, said, that's it. That's it right now that's born again. She said, that's it. And instantaneously, there was a change. Instantaneously, she tells me, there was a change in her life. My father saw it. Everybody saw it. He didn't want it, but he saw it. When you're born again of the spirit, there's a change. And you know it. Because your basic right as a believer is that you are led and that he bears witness. And the first thing is that you're a born again believer. I'm just saying that because it's important that you know that when you pray for people and you follow up with people that are saved, whether in this church or outside the church, be keenly aware that 50% of people that quote unquote get saved are not saved. So you've got to make sure that they understand this. Is it a mental or a heart thing? Do they know it in their spirit? Is it bearing witness that they're a child of God? And is there an immediate change out of their spirit, not their soul, but their spirit knows don't do that. And eventually they will yield to that leading and then act it out in their putting their flesh under. But, but is there that instant change? If it's not, they're not saved. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, my brother and sister, don't, don't just try to get people to say a prayer. That is not what we're after is a prayer. 
We're after, we're not looking for a convert. We're looking for a disciple. We're looking for somebody that is sincerely born again. I believe with all my heart, the more people that sincerely get born again, they will stay in the church because something will draw them. I need the Bible. I need teaching. I need to be around other people that believe like me because I'm different. I don't even understand it, but I'm different. And now my friends, I don't understand it, but I'm different to them. And I like them, but I don't like what they're doing. And maybe the people at the church there, they don't do those things. You say, that's what should be happening. Anyway, I don't even know why I'm on this. The point is, is that your right as a believer is to be born again and to be led. And that should start at the moment you're saved. And most people never really experience that. Heavenly Father, I thank you. You said you're not done on this yet, son. Your people don't think right about this. So, Father, I'm endeavoring by the help of the Holy Ghost to get them to think right about this. And the starting point is not making it a sermon that has an expiry date. A series will come to an end. We'll move on to other subjects. But this, Lord, this is in front of us every day of our life. We never, ever stop thinking and talking to you about the life of the Spirit, about being led by the Spirit, about flowing in the Spirit, about crucifying our flesh and living sinless in the Spirit. Lord, that is something that we face every single day that we live. So let us not make this about a sermon. Let us make this about a lifestyle. Because our fundamental right, I only got to one point out of the long list, but our fundamental right is we have a right to be led by the Spirit and to have a bearing of witness. Not just that we're saved, that's where it starts, but about everything that we face going forward. Other than common sense things, we have a right for the bearing of witness. So I give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we are hungry students. We're not taking the subject thinking, I'm better than that. I know all about this already, Pastor Craig. If we're thinking that, it shows how foolish we are. Because none of us know all about this None of us will ever know all about this because it's not possible while we breathe oxygen to know all about this. It is a journey that we will continue developing skill in until we step over into that other side. Let us commit to this journey, Father. Whether I'm preaching it or not, let us commit to it. And I give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen and amen.